This is Restless. Welcome back everybody to uh, this wonderful, beautiful, restless fall. Is it restless fall? If we just had restless summer? Is that what we want to call it? Not really. (laughs) We're back to the normal, normal restless season if you... (laughs) Back to normal restless, the perpetual restless season. That's right. Uh, Well, we are uh, excited to be back. This is uh, Pastor Michael, and obviously I have with me the host of the show, Matt. Yeah, and today we are going to find out if Pastor Michael is just addicted to the culture war. (laughs) Oh, no. Let's get into culture war stuff. That sounds great. I know, because we are going to ask why TGC did not free Pastor James Coates. Pastor Michael, should we address this question? Probably not, but but we're gonna, I guess. (laughs) That's right. We're going to address it because I think, well, at various times I've had various... Uh, strong emotions we've had we've had to put this off for recording for uh, a few different reasons and it's probably a good thing but i do think it is a microcosm of the clash of of the church needing to think about how it relates to the state and i don't think many of the new calvinists leaders who we have had any idea what to do and probably didn't fit their political program uh, which you can hear more about uh, when we interviewed Stephen Wolf about back in the day. And so I think it's an important thing for us to begin thinking about and discussing. Yeah, I think that that's true. I'm I'm always a little bit wary, especially since we're putting this out on the whole wide web. The whole world. To, to make uh, personal, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, pronouncements about uh, the way things have gone. Uh, but I do think, like you said, Uh, One of the things that is maybe uh, extremely necessary right now is to deal with the relationship between the church and the state and how we are to understand that, especially in an increasingly like polarized political landscape and uh, with an increasingly, you know, kind of overreaching state and uh, what that means for the church. Uh, And so, I mean, it is it is important. It just is difficult. And sometimes I just want to have fun reacting to Mark Driscoll videos, you know? I just want to take shots at the guys from the past instead of having to deal with the actual issues of today. And soon enough, we will get back to reacting (laughs) to those more fun videos. But I I do think we should say a few of the things that we actually aren't addressing. We actually aren't saying what your church should have done in 2020 what their your elders should have done that's right i can say our official show position was that you should have done your best to submit to the elders and should in the future yep um and pray for them neither are we really discussing a lot about different quarantine laws or what health care you should or shouldn't take we're not gonna uh we're not gonna pronounce on this particular podcast uh what our thoughts are on vaccines that's right (laughs) um but we, because we even think, right, your elders could have been wrong about some things, and it would still be right to submit them. What we're talking about is the fact that, and I'm not even saying this is probably important. We're not even saying that your pastor or everyone you know should have had a take on James Coates or anything. Right. What we're saying is that the New Calvinists, the Gospel Coalition, people like Russell Moore and the ERLC literally exist to have an online platform where they forward Christian ideas and they were silent about a pastor in Canada 
who's in jail for 33 days. Right. Yeah, and that does seem striking, right? It seems striking. That Think there of all be some of the social movements they've spoken out about in the last right. two years, and all the common cause they've thought they needed to make to use their influence. Yeah, and the social capital. The social capital. And so, the question is, where where were they? Where was the concern about this kind of systematic injustice over the last? Um, over the last year. And obviously, James Coates wasn't alone, right? There was, uh, more recently, Tim Stevens. There have been some other pastors who face penalties for meeting mm-hmm. in Canada. And so we will, as we get later, we will talk about uh, if the state should be playing this kind of role because we, we actually have to. Um, but first, what we should probably do is walk through just a little bit about um, what kind of happened to him and then uh yeah move from there yeah if you could tell us i mean i i need a refresher too i didn't i didn't keep super close track of this kind of stuff so right right so um he was required to sign a document um this is this is james coates so he's a pastor in canada correct in march in alberta i believe in this uh this province this is the province where all of these actions have taken place of tim stevens these pastors have have faced these issues so he was required to sign a document that he would do his uh, ministry accords with all the health orders, uh, with all the health orders, and he said he could not do it, and so he was arrested um, because he believed following the conditions would keep him from doing his pastoral responsibility because the they essentially had closed all the churches, right, and so he believed he they needed to meet. And so he said he believed his conscience could not sign. Uh, The Crown later offered him a deal and asked him to plead guilty to an illegal proceeding, um, which he said he would do so he could be released from jail, saying, I plead guilty, but this law is unjust. Um, The proposal allowed him to plead guilty and was going to allow him to challenge its constitutionality. uh, And he he accepted it because that allowed him to return to the ministry right he you know there are stories you can hear from him sharing the gospel with the prisoners there's all kinds of things and tim stevens has a very similar thing that there was a a court order given that they applied to tim stevens and they applied um that was for a restaurant but they applied to his church and used that to prosecute him um and so again because as Pastor Michael said, we don't want to claim that we know everything that's going on in Canada. I think our goal here is to do two things. Um, is to, one, prove that we are just not addicted to the culture war. And two, to discuss principally what these kinds of things mean. And maybe if we're feeling a little bit uh, uh, spicy at the end, we can guess why. We can, pr- we can put some guesses out there as to why TGC was not saying anything about any of this along the way. Great. So, Pastor Michael, let, let's start with a few principles before we get to it. I think we'll start with some principles about how we can start considering this kind of an issue. And then I do think we need to spend some significant time answering objections to people who don't agree with us. Because I do think the reform world is actually pretty split on if we should get behind coats and those like him or not and so i think we need to spend a little time on their objections 
Yeah, so this is that's actually really interesting. So the I did not follow uh, the news of this kind of stuff really closely, um, and uh, what I did see though was basically just different takes. It was just all kinds of people because we live in the day that we live in. We all have to uh, pick our side and then uh, fight about it, which I'm not necessarily against. I think that that's actually probably pretty healthy in some regards, sometimes unhealthy. Uh, but that is where I basically saw these things. I either saw people very much for, uh, you know, standing up for guys like James Coates or Tim Stevens. Um, and then I saw people that were very against saying, look how, you know, uh, kind of silly this is and how they are being uh, disobedient in various ways. And so, like you said, there is a pretty big split even amongst those of us who uh, consider ourselves reformed. And that maybe makes it a little bit more difficult, right? It's not clear. Uh, right. It's it's not uh, easy uh, to kind of, you know, walk down the middle way mm-hmm. and be friends with everybody. Right. And and so I think we, we, we should think about this from some principles and then probably answer some objections and see what kinds of conclusions that leads us with. And again, if you disagree with us totally, we do want to hear from you. Right. Uh, we are interested in in how you reacted to this. So you would be the first person to ever disagree with the rest of this podcast. <laughs> that's right. Uh, that's but, right. Uh, but we don't have a PhD, so that's right. So you you can also feel free to ignore us for that reason. So <laughs> I actually think one of the first principles we need to remember is actually from Hebrews thirteen three, which says, "Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering." So. A lot of times when we think about prison ministry, we actually think about Christians wonderfully uh, going to prisons and to share the gospel with men who have been incarcerated, men and women who are incarcerated. The actual context of most of these commands to remember those in prison in the New Testament are talking about those Christians who've been imprisoned by an overly um, or by a persecuting state. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. Well, and uh, just for some context, when we think of prison too, I mean, things were a bit different, right? So the yep. the, the prison system uh, back in this day it was, was the kind of thing, it was absolutely horrible. You'd be just thrown in basically a kind of dungeon and you were uh, completely relying upon those outside of, yep. of this place to provide food and other things for you. Because if you did not have someone else bringing that, the, I mean, the, the Romans aren't just like bringing you food every day. Uh, they're not making sure that you're taken care of. And uh, and so this, you know, there are differences. Obviously, we want to make sure to note that there are differences culturally uh, between what was going on uh, at that time versus now. Uh, but that doesn't, you know, in any way remove the command. It just means that the way that we apply it is going to maybe look a little different. Definitely. Right. Paul, in in his writings, right, he asks for clothes and people bring him food, right? We That's not the same context of prison today. But... I do believe we have some responsibility to Christians who are in prison. Now, obviously, it's different because, for example, I've never met James Coates. Love to have you on the show. I've never met these people. But we do have a responsibility to Christians. Second, we are we are called to be subject to every institution. But because Christians do live in two kingdoms, it's actually not sinful for us to seek our rights in the civil kingdom. Yeah, so you mean just because uh, we're told uh, in places like Romans 13 to submit to those in authority over us in the civil government specifically, um, that that doesn't mean that we can't try to work within the system for what might be better for us and for right. the church, for Christians, fellow Christians. Right. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Right. But, of course, we should all agree that resorting to any kind of rank rebellion or mob violence would be is sinful, is out of is out of bounds for any Christian. That's right. So you work within what you're able to, right? So you you do still seek to live a quiet life, right? Our, our goal, our desire is to uh, live quietly and be able to preach the gospel and worship God as he is commanded um, and to love our neighbor, which does include, you know, various uh, kinds of things like, you know, for instance, the, I think one thing that we can, you know, all get behind is that as Christians, we should all desire the complete outline of abortion, for instance. Uh, because there are, you know, neighbors of ours all around who are being literally just killed um, out of uh, issues of convenience and things like that. And so, um, so there, you know, there too, you know, you see that these principles are not, uh, are not uh, necessarily uh, just obvious all the time, just black and white. And you want to take into account uh, much of what the scripture says and bring all those things together, interpreting scripture with scripture, uh, being able to see, okay, there are times that uh, the apostles do not submit to those who are in, you know, governing authority over them. Uh, but it's because these are issues uh, of things that are belonging ultimately to God and his kingdom, right? So they're, they're things that they can't, they cannot obey because it would cause them to disobey what God has commanded. Right. And that's where our debates probably lie and our discussion lies, um, rightfully so, in, okay, well, what, where's the line? How do we, how do we live in a way that is uh, in submission to Christ and submission to the civil authorities that he's commanded us to be in submission to? And how do we, you know, figure out uh, what lines up on which side? How do we, you know, uh, deal with something that seems to be in conflict between those two things? Right, right. And so I think this gets us to the objections because, right, James Coates, Tim Stevens, these pastors, they all claim the state is violating my conscience by which I believe I'm supposed to do as a pastor and as worship. And therefore, this is state-sponsored persecution. And so let's get to the objections to those who may not agree. Obviously, the first objection would be, this is not persecution. James Coates was not persecuted. Tim Stevens is not persecuted. Um, and I have, I have two kind of responses to this, Pastor Michael, and you can tell me what you think and add to them. I think that there are two kind of presuppositions under this and and i think they are one persecution needs to be violent and two persecution needs to happen by the government saying i'm doing this to you because of jesus christ right and so the first one is right that these kinds of fines seizures of property right they physically closed grace life church but i do want it to be said that whatever this more mild form of persecution that may or may not be happening i don't think james coates and we certainly aren't comparing him to Polycarp or the Christians who were beheaded by ISIS, right? But what we are saying is that there is a range of, of actions that would count in persecution, right? Um, and, and because this is different than the loss of prominence of Christianity, right? This isn't, they didn't say Merry Christmas to me at the store. That's right. There's someone in jail. Um, and second, right, there is the, yeah, there's the idea that if it's not done, they're not saying that we're doing this because you're Christians, right? And I and I agree. But even the Sermon on the Mount lists two reasons, right? They will they are, blessed are you who suffer for righteousness' sake. That's that's disconnected from Christ and those who suffer for Christ's sake. But but here's the truth. I think actually the norm is very rarely that the state says 
we are going after Christians. Even the Romans persecuted the early Christians over atheism and incest. Yes. And I believe, I'm not positive, but I believe that there were charges of cannibalism too. Yeah. Because of the Lord's Supper. Right. Now, they are persecuting them for Christian practices, right? The atheism, they don't worship, they don't honor the pantheon of gods. Incest, they talk about marrying brothers and sisters, right? There's misunderstandings there, but... Again, it's not, it is It is not a primarily, like, you have a religious conviction in your heart I don't like. And historically, I mean, a lot of the time, if somebody was simply willing to worship the emperor, to the, worship the state, um, alongside of worshiping right. Christ, that's okay. You know, like, that would have been acceptable, most of the time anyway, um, when you're dealing with kind of the, the biblical era. Right, right. And so I think that I looked on the gospel coalition's website and found two recent pastors in different countries where they highlighted them being persecuted one andrew brunson from turkey who was kept in jail for two years there and had multiple tgc articles defending him totally rightly do you know what he was arrested for there he was arrested as a suspected terrorist right he was not arrested because he was a christian pastor he was arrested because he was a suspected terrorist and you might say, well, that was a lie. Maybe, but that wasn't what they said they were doing. Um, and another article you can find, articles you can find are about Pastor Wang Yi of China. He's a Presbyterian pastor who is still in prison in China. And he was not, again, arrested because he was a Christian pastor, but because he was organizing anti-state gatherings, as in homeschool gatherings and Christian gatherings. And so what my point is that even in these stark, stark examples, the cause was not stated as they were Christians, right? And and therefore our difference would be, well, the Canadian government's good and these other governments are bad, right? Actually, that does seem to be a lot of the time what's going on is that like they're because maybe it's because we're Westerners, I don't know, uh, but there are many who have an implicit trust in our government. Uh, to the point where they might say, well, we wouldn't be doing this like, say, a Turkey or right. a China. They are obviously, you know, governments that would persecute people for the faith. Obviously, that's not going to happen in in America or in Canada. Um, and maybe here I should bring up, this is my personal principle that I think is a biblical principle. Um, I think that this it can be borne out from Scripture, that it it is an application of the the f- family you know that we have in christ that we we become a household in christ and we are uh to love one another uh, and have a particular love especially for uh, and a particular care especially for those who are uh, in our fellowship right those who are fellow believers uh, but my principle is basically uh, you should be taking the side of your fellow believer over the state and the media and the media and whoever else basically all the time right so um and and even if so this is my analogy uh because maybe you might say yeah but what if they're like maybe i I personally don't know that much about this james Cote situation so maybe somebody could convince me man he was like he did something that wasn't quite right or he didn't like obey the law exactly right and there were ways that he could have done better and therefore like here's the problem um, and that's why I'm okay that they threw him in prison. Uh, but 
I just think it, it's like this. Okay, if I'm walking down the street and I look down an alley and I see my brother getting just the tar beat out of him, my first thought isn't to like stop and be like, oh man, you know, I wonder what my brother did this time. You know, it's it's not to be like, oh, wow, he must really deserve that. No, my first instinct should always be, I'm going to go get in the fight and defend my brother. And if it turns out afterward that he was getting the tar beat out of him because he did something stupid, okay, well then I can go ahead and slap him upside the back of the head and say, that was stupid. Don't do that kind of a thing. Right. But he's my brother, right? I don't, I do not care about these other people like I care about my brother. So my first thought is not, well, I don't want any of them to, you know, get hurt. Or maybe, oh, uh, they're probably right more than him. No, it's, okay, well, this is my brother. I'm going to take his side. Just bottom line, I'm taking his side. Uh, and then maybe we can deal with something together if he was acting in a way that was if, not if right. If he needs correction, if he needs something else. Exactly. Uh, but that's my job, right? Like, I'm going to do that right. for my brother. I'm not going to uh, let these just random, you know, people do that. And so I do think that there's a sense in which uh, there are many people, and this is probably part of the, the, you know, as much as, you know, some people would want to say that they, there are people that have obviously, obviously this is political, and people have overly politicized it at times yep. uh, in, amongst kind of the Christian discourse. Maybe, maybe you could say the discourse within our circles, right? The kinds of people that would listen to a restless podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, there's probably on one side uh, an overzealousness in the culture wars, and on the other side, probably uh, a like over disdain for the culture wars and those who engage in them. I, I think we need to come back to this in a more full way sometime because I <laughs> think do, this yeah. is a big divide. I do it right. right I now. think so. And but what happens is because of that, uh, even though on both sides probably there is uh, a sense in which they both think you know, well, I'm standing with whoever on which side of it. It doesn't matter. Uh, but. What's really happening is uh, the lines are being drawn by the culture and then we are taking up you know, our place within them. Instead of saying, I don't care where the culture's at right now. Um, that's my brother in Christ. And if he's being put in jail and there's nothing like obviously wrong, you know, it's, it's not as though it's like, well, this, you know, this pastor shot somebody. Right. Okay, we're all gonna agree. Put him in jail, you know, right. like that. Obviously, this is wrong. Right. Okay, when it's when it's there's a pastor who wanted to keep worshiping God with his people, um, even if you think that that's a bad move health wise or because of the pandemic or something. Right. Um, still, our primary allegiance, I think, in this case, should be with them, with a church that wants to do that, even if we think it's a bad idea. Right. If even if we think don't do that, we should still say, no, nope, I'm going to take their side against the state. Also, just to remind everybody, um, these Western governments are the same governments that are uh, not just promoting abortion, not just like putting tons of taxpayer money toward abortion, but uh, taking part in all kinds of abhorrent research mm. by mutilating the bodies of aborted children, right, yeah. afterward. By uh, doing things like that, it came out recently that, you know, in uh, America, one of our, you know, many, you know, health departments, I don't know which one, I don't know if it was the CDC or whoever else, I don't know who does research, uh, but uh, it's come out that, you know, they were doing things like uh, taking the, the skin from aborted children and sewing them onto rats for some kind of experiment. 
right? So like this is the kind of demonic evil people um, that are involved in, and I know that I just use extreme language, but like that is demonic, right? Right, so right. This is absolutely, that is demonic. I'm not saying everybody that works for government is demonic. I'm not saying that like there are good things that happen in our governments, right. uh, but we're not dealing with always like people that are obviously good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Let's, let's get to this kind of second objection that you're already touching on, right? Let me, let me just close this thing on. So what, what causes Christian persecution, right? I, I've said it can take varying degrees of seriousness, but right. What causes it fundamentally is obedience to God that goes up against some standard of man, right? That's what causes most of Christian persecution, right? We can even remember maybe this other famous, um, uh, experience of persecution, right? Christian preaching was disrupting a local economy and the silver sellers in that economy threw a riot and they were mad about what this person was doing to their economy. And if that story sounds familiar, that's because that is the story of the apostle Paul in Ephesus when a riot was thrown to get him out of the city. So I actually think pastor Michael, you started to bring up the second kind of big objection to this perspective is no, 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 no. You can worship as long as you worship according to the state's guidelines. Now, one, you're saying we in the West probably have a lot of goodwill and probably patriotism that might be making us not trust or, or sorry, make us trust an institution perhaps we should be more suspicious of. Let me make my response to that objection even more simple. You just believe in a state church, which... Okay. Wow. Because <laughs> what here's what I mean is, yeah, you you think the state can decide the terms and manner in which the church gathers, and that the the state can correct the church in what it means to love their neighbor and worship God in a way that is right. And so when and and I mean this is what's even happening, right? Officials in Canada and America are invoking terms like you need to do this in order to love your neighbor. They are making religious pronouncements and if the and if the state can decide what we do and what we can't do and where we meet and when we meet i mean don't tell me that's not in principle state that is a state religion right and people say well the, the restrictions where i were were never that draconian well just so you know in australia and it might have changed again since the the recent delta outbreak up until a few months ago Australian churches were not allowed to sing by their state. Wow. Um, yeah. And even here, maybe, you know, we should say that uh, there does seem to be, we believe that there is a role even in the Bible that would allow the civil government to have some authority dealing with certain aspects, especially those kind of, you know, might we say earthly aspects of the meeting of the church um, that, you know, that, that might be. So this is a discussion, obviously, that we would want to have. Okay, again, where is the line? How much? Um, so, you know, if we're going to be uh, upset about this then and this whole James Coates thing and the, you know, requirements because of the coronavirus, should we start being upset about building codes and uh, things like that? Um, or again, so where is the line? This is, uh, it's, it's not easy. So for instance, in, you know, Archer, and, you know, none of this again, is to say that we think, oh, 100%, we know that James Coates and his church were in the right completely in this situation. I personally don't know. Again, my you know presupposition is, oh, they're a Christian. Okay, I'm with them. 
and uh, I'll just like that's just my assumption until I'm you know proven otherwise in some way. Um, but like you know at our church we did not decide to when you know the local government uh, asked uh, churches to uh, shut down for a time we didn't say absolutely not. Um, we met and one of the things we discussed was whether or not we thought uh, the state actually had this authority to ask us to do this. And we decided that we thought they did, at least at the point, that there was good reason to believe them, to trust them, um, to, you know, adhere to it. Um, and then, you know, we, you know, basically had a slower rollout as we got back to worship. Now, it is true, I think, that things were not as, you know, uh, extreme here as uh, in places like certain parts of Canada. That's right. what it seems like. Um, or in definitely not from Australia. Uh, but we believe that there was, you know, a certain amount of right uh, a certain amount of like, you know, uh, biblical precedent that we should follow in this. And that's how we decided to do it. Um, so this is not, you know, this podcast is not us saying, hey, if you're not 100%, you know, saying, you know, uh, screw you to the government and, you know, opening up your church, that therefore you're doing the you know wrong thing. Mm. Okay, no. Um, but like what you just said is absolutely right. I think a lot of people have not uh, thought about the actual principles that they're using to judge these things. Yeah. And, and I will say, right, when Pastor James Coates was arrested, Christ's Covenant had been meeting for about a year. That's right. Right? That's there, true. So yeah. there's a very different oh, in, in circumstance. Now, I do think um, I do think someday when we maybe publish a set of principles about civil government, we can, we can re-discuss what the state's role might be. Because I think this all has kind of this, – this is why I wanted to do this podcast – because we do need to think about these things. This is this is fundamentally what we're doing. Are we going to do that? I mean, we're close. We're, yeah. yeah. We're close to it. I don't know if we're ready to put it out in two weeks. <laughs> no, probably not quite. But we're close. Um, and and that, that we need to think about this. And so let me answer one more objection before we, we come to some uh, other, um, other principles. So... First, a person might say, well, okay, why weren't all the pastors getting arrested? Why wasn't every church being rounded up if this was persecution? Well, as we've already mentioned, right, one, it wasn't James Coates alone. There's Tim Stevens. There's a few pastors who've been fined in huge amounts by Canada, right? So this this isn't just one guy. Um, and, and now there are, and many of the pastors were willing to comply and an article we will not discuss because it was driving me crazy was a Canadian TGC writer, whoever you are, come on the show, uh, love to have you, is, was, was arguing essentially for the government restrictions. Now, like I've said, the line I've kind of made, Pastor Michael and I might even differ slightly, is Probably, I've said if, yeah. if your elders made a decision, they do have the right to regulate worship. Yeah. Right? And so that... I'm not arguing with any elder who decided to follow any guideline or not, right? My question, you know, again, is kind of purely about the state. And so when you say, well, why don't they get everybody, right? One, they did get more people. And two, that's just not how persecution normally works. Yeah. China didn't pick up every pastor, right? The Roman Empire, except under one very short but extreme level of persecution, it wasn't empire-wide. It was regional right these things are tend to be occasional that's right as as they come up right and so that's kind of the final thing and and i guess here's the final maybe objection matt you're crazy you're addicted to the culture war this is a distraction 
Am I... So, Pastor Michael, you can tell me. Am I just... Is this just scaremongering? Is this just vote for Trump and, and as you said, screw the government? Is that all this is? Or is there... Because that's, again, I think at the end of the day, when someone listens to this, if they don't like this, that's where they're going to leave it. Well, I mean, you are crazy. Sure. That's (laughs) fine. That's a separate issue, I guess. But that's a separate issue. Yeah. Uh, That's uh, just what it takes for us to uh, make a podcast like this. (laughs) Uh, And I don't mean just this one. I just mean restless. We are a weird variety of people. (laughs) Put it that way. Yeah. Um, No, but I don't think that it's absurd to bring this up. And this is, you know, I think... Maybe it is the culture war stuff. I don't want to... There are people that are so obsessed with what we call the culture wars. And then there are people that are so obsessed with the people that they think are obsessed with the culture wars. And both are probably uh, just, you know, out of control in various ways. But it doesn't... Just because uh, these things are not handled well or carefully... Just because people are pretty knee-jerk in their reactions to things, which of course they are. We are about everything. Yeah. Okay? Like just culturally, that's what we're like about everything. We are not a thoughtful people, right? We are a people that has been raised by the TV and the internet, yeah. which is all about reaction. It's not about actual substance. And so it's all about, you know, click here, do this, but not, okay, I'm going to sit and actually dwell on this for a while, contemplate it, work it out in some large treaties or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, so of course it's going to be like that. I, I guess that doesn't bother me a lot that people, uh, act that way on one side or the other. Um, I think that it's important to bring up because it deals with these core principles that we haven't figured out and that, uh, for all of the talk of the YRR about influencing politics and culture and the city, there is very little, it seems, done, uh, work done on how do you actually do this in a, a healthy way. That's not just, well, I guess we'll be Democrats instead of Republicans. <laughs> right, right. And let me let me address, there, this is actually a very small group of our audience who might be feeling this way, but I do want to address the people whose objection might be, but Matt, the theonomist took these guys aside. And to you I say, my good friend, if we who have the wide range of reformed resources of how to respond to this don't, you're going to make a lot more theonomists. That's absolutely right. Actually, we, theonomy is popular because this is not done a lot. And we can do it. We don't We don't need theonomy to do this. So that, that can make you happy. But we have to be able to discuss these things. And so the reason I wanted to do this episode in the end was because... I, I feel like I truly begrudge the person who doesn't want me to start planning ahead and thinking through these things, right? It would be like saying, you don't need an emergency fund. That's crazy. Obviously, James Coates has said he thinks their government is looking for a way out of this clash. I think this government found themselves opposing people that they realized long term this is not going to look good for them. But when Christians are not able to worship for fear of fines or having their guaranteed rights of religion violated, you can't blame me for saying we need to start thinking through how we're going to handle this. This is coming to more of us. Right. right. No matter what. And it's not going to be about something that you agree with. It's not going to be something you know, from the health department saying that there's a pandemic and you need to you know, do whatever because of that. It's going to be instead something like, well, racism now is considered... Uh, health epidemic or however they've classified it 
Right. And so because this is a health issue, now the health department gets to come in and decide what you can and can't teach about certain things. Right. And you may not agree with what exactly they're saying and how they're applying those those statutes. And so it's going to start being more of those kinds of things. Um, so it's, it's not going to be just those weird, backward, John MacArthur-type Christians that you don't like right. that are getting thrown in jail. That This is going to come to more. And so this just left me with a few uh, principles that I think all of our listeners can apply, regardless of their connection to or agreement with James Coates and these other these other pastors, who I will say I am sympathetic to. But that's okay. So if you're not. But here are principles we need. First, as we've been saying this whole time, we just need to start thinking about this hard and fast. We do need to use a little bit of our time and prayer and thought to consider what we will do about these things. There is a reason, too, by the way, that we've left this episode till now, right? Yeah. Things have kind of calmed down in right. this particular discussion. It's not as big online, although it's gonna. what's going to happen is like the week that we release this, all of a sudden something's going to blow yeah. up right before we do it, and then people are going to be like, oh, you did it just to you know get on this. And if it grows our audience, I'm not against it. Right, right. <laughs> uh, but it is, I mean, yeah, it's, it's the kind of thing that we do have to think about and we want to think about carefully and over the last year arguments against james coates have boiled down to romans 13 submit to the government here's another principle resistance is allowed there are times where resistance to the governing authorities is not only allowed but is the godly thing to do it's mandated it's by, mandated. by the scripture that's right and so i'm not telling you when that is right now but i am saying that that category needs to arise in your mind. Um, and my third one, and this is actually one I got from uh, Pastor Michael's other podcast to keep promoting his things, is is that a prayer for peace for the sake of the gospel is desirable. We should desire freedom. We should desire the ability to live peaceably, worship as we believe we're called, and preach the gospel. That's why we're supposed to pray for kings and all those in high authority. So all those civil government leaders that we're supposed to pray for, um, we want to pray for them so that we can live quiet lives that allow us to worship God as he has dictated to us so that we can uh, also go and evangelize to others so that we can uh, take the gospel um, as far and wide as possible. So we we want freedom and we're commanded to pray for freedom for that end so that the church can actually expand. Right. And that's more than just addicted to the culture war, right? That is much more than the culture war. I'm adding this one on the fly, but we also need to come up with our own theological conviction about what it means to gather with the church. If you look at the Belgic Convention number 28, it says that it is the duty of all believers to separate themselves from those who don't belong to the church and join themselves to a congregation uh, wheresoever God has established it, even though magistrates and edicts and princes are against it, yea, though they should suffer death or any other corporal punishment, therefore all those who separate themselves from the same and do not join themselves act contrary to the ordinance of God. We do need a category for public gathering, right? James Coates said that the reason his experience in jail actually proved why virtual church doesn't work because he was allowed to virtually see his family. And his answer was, this isn't the same as being with my family. And I would think I have some sympathetic ears to the Nine Marks crowd, who for a long time were 
so against multiple services because the whole church had to gather all at once. But again, these are the this it is this silence from this YRR crowd that brought this episode on. And our final principle, and I'll let Pastor Michael finish it, is as Reformed Christians and as faithful Christians of any kind, we believe the civil government's power is inherently limited because of our beliefs about our Lord Jesus Christ. Yep, so Jesus reigns, right? He is the one that uh, rules the nations with a rod of iron. So he sits at the right hand of God the Father, uh, and he is putting every enemy under his feet. That includes uh, states, princes, uh, authorities, uh, what have you, any nations that would rise against the Lord and against his anointed. Um, so there is, yeah, this is this is a discussion that we have to have. Matt and I have actually been working on, it's not ready yet, uh, but we've been working on uh, kind of uh, putting together uh, a little uh, booklet, a uh, little ebook probably on uh, resources that we think will be helpful in this matter uh, from the Reformed tradition and uh, trying to uh, get that ready. So we're going to we're going to be putting that out at some point so you can be looking for that. Uh, but hopefully this is helpful. Hopefully that uh, this is you know at least getting you to think. Again, no matter what side of the so-called culture wars you're on, no matter what uh, you know issues you think this actually brings up, no matter whether you like uh, our takes or not, literally doesn't matter, you know, uh, who are we? Uh, but uh, hopefully this makes you think, okay, I need to actually dwell on what the scripture teaches so that I am prepared to deal with this when it comes to me, when it comes to my church, when it comes to my pastor, and what I am going to do in order to follow Christ in that moment. All right, thanks for joining us for another episode of Restless, where we free James Coates. (laughs) At least in our hearts. In our hearts. We have no power. That's right. Uh, if you are one of those Canadian pastors, we'd love to talk to you. I think it'd be an interesting conversation. And if you uh, wrote against them, we'd probably have a even more interesting conversation we'd with you. We'd love to talk to you too. So let's do it. So rate, review this show, and we will catch you later.